Heads up everyone, this episode contains some minor spoilers for The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. From Noble Robot on East Hennepin Avenue in recovering Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk games and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Arthur Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are lessons from Tears of the Kingdom and Steven's Fall Damage Rant. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. You might not actually rant. It's not an actual rant. I have notes. I've got, I've got things to say, but I wouldn't call it a rant per se. Longtime listeners at home are like, okay, I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we have a lot of meta to talk about. Yeah. Um, basically, because I've had a ton of time on my hands, and I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but Ellen, we were just talking before the show started. That you, uh, you're you're on a bike. You got a new bike. Yeah, my husband got me a bike for an early birthday present, um, and it is a road bike. It is very fast, and that's cool. Cool. Um, and I rode it to work today, which is 10 mm-hmm. miles. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of miles. You know, so Eric said husband, uh-huh. aforementioned husband. Right. He, um, <laughs> he has been training for, like, he does triathlons a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and he's been doing and tr- training to optimize his half Ironman performance. Yeah. And that's like a 50-some mile ride. Oh. So, like, some days he'll come back on Saturday from, like, a training ride, and he'll yeah. be like, well, that was, like, 65 miles. And so I feel like when I say 10 miles, it's like, hmm. But, oh. <laughs> you know, it was I – don't, I don't bike a lot mm-hmm. uh, yet, and so that was a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think it's fair to compare yourself to someone who practices – for Iron Man? <laughs> no, you're correct, Stephen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Right. In that household, it's hard to avoid the comparison, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's just like this number is much smaller than that number. Yeah. And that's fine, yeah. but this number is much smaller than that number. Sure. Yep, yep. Um, but that's okay. He's also riding a much better bike these days than I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but your plan is to use the bike to get into the office sometimes? Yeah, that's a couple times a week I wanted to bike in. And, you know, weather permitting, but we were just talking about how, like, okay, bike is cool. Um, the, the route that I can take to get here is beautiful. It's like there are there are two parkways on both sides of the Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and I'm on the east side, so I get the East River Parkway, and then I take that, and I cross a bridge, and then I'm on the West River Parkway. Huh. And that's pretty much my whole ride. So it's all just, like, really nice bike trails dedicated for bikes Cool. Very little road time yeah. and um, lots and lots of river views. It's really beautiful. So mm-hmm. uh, it was quite nice. There was one big-ass hill. Um, <laughs> but when you're going here, it's a downhill. Hey. <laughs> so, and I'm going to take the train home tonight. So I can just bike to the train station, hop on the train, and skip that hill. Hey, nice, nice, nice. That's smart. Yeah. Good planning. Good. <laughs> yeah. So, Ellen, we need to start a campaign now to get Steven a bike oh. and get him to bike in. Uh, it's not going to happen. I've Steven, got so, from I, your place, it would such a, be such a pleasant ride. I know it would, and I don't want to do it. I don't like bikes. <laughs> I'm sorry. What if we got you one of those cool one wheels? I would not, one wheels? Yeah. they're mean like, a unicycle? No. No, it's like called one wheel. It's like a skateboard, like a, an electric skateboard. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that has a big big wheel. Yeah. Talking about big ass hills and big ass wheels, and it's got a big wheel in the middle, and that's why they call it one wheel. Okay. Um, You've probably seen them in Zelda. <laughs> Yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Don't buy me any vehicles, y'all. I just 
I have solutions to get to the office. They've been working for me pretty good for a little while now. So you know, we have the same rotation of calls to action, but we might have to mix in like the Stephen One Wheel GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get Stephen a bike. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. So Mark, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So I got a lot of meta, and yep. we'll get to uh, the big one. But a uh, couple things. So the team I'm working on uh, on Dream, uh, Dream Settler, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jay is also working on a game called Slayers X, which is a spin-off game mm-hmm. to Hypnospace Outlaw. That game got announced. The release date got announced June first. Yes, um, which up. I'm not going to check the calendar math, but might be now or near now for listeners listening. Yeah. Um, Slayers X. Oh, geez, I don't remember the full title. Uh, Vengeance of the Slayer. Oh, wait. Slayer's X Terminal Aftermath, Vengeance of the Slayer. That's the title. Okay, nice. cool. Um, it's a boomer shooter. Uh, it's um, I've talked about it on the show before. Um, I have nothing to do with it other than just seeing it develop along the way um, and playtesting it a little bit. Um, it is hilarious. It's from the perspective of this alternate universe character from Hypnospace Outlaw, this teenager from 1999 who lost the code in 1999 and then in 2023 found it again as a 37 year old manager of a dollar store who still thinks he's cool oh, well. and, is, and is finishing the game so it's it's this whole it's like meta upon meta but what's really fascinating about it and i think one of the things that's great about the hypnospace universe is like this real sort of like goofy crazy world that's grounded in empathy for real characters mm-hmm. yeah and this is this is the nonsense boomer shooter that is like <laughs> wall to wall i mean it's a nonsense is the word for it yeah but it still has those elements where you see like th- this is what a kid who didn't have money thinks the rich neighborhood looks like mm-hmm. and 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 you know everyone made um they made their house into a doom map right that was a thing we all did yeah uh, people my age anyway <laughs> And I'm and I'm this character's age, so I kind uh. of know know this era, <laughs> and know that these this attitudes. But like mm-hmm. the the there's there's commentary about class and about like um you know uh, um family and all of this stuff in it. But you don't have to pay attention to that. You can just get the glass shooter and and shoot them at giant sentient balls of poop. Like that is the kind of game this is. <laughs> cool, cool. Um, it's it's it's. Anyway, it's got something for everybody in mm-hmm. a way that is probably not how you normally hear people say that, but it really does have something for everybody. Yeah. But if you're super into, you know, boomer shooters, which is kind of a trend now, actually, mm-hmm. um, this is not only, it's not, it's way more than a novelty title. Like the the, the people who have who've been, uh, had previews of this, who are like experts in this genre, yeah. they are loving this title. Oh, so cool. it's, it's, I mean, it is a, it's a solid entry in this genre, even though it's sort of, it has this huge narrative backing that a lot of these games don't have. Yeah. So really, it's got it all. I recommend it. June first, go get it. Cool. June first. Ellen, <laughs> I have my hand up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have been living under a rock for several yeah. weeks because of project work at work. Work. Mm-hmm. What's a boomer shooter? Oh, okay. So a boomer shooter. It's called a boomer shooter because people don't know what words mean. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, the idea is it's it's an old shooter. So like Doom, Nuke, Dukem, that genre. Sort of. I mean. Quake is about the upper limit of these these games. Yeah. Like that that you very, very early 3D shooters, um, early to mid nineties, that style. Um, and so, you know, when it there was, you know, for a while it was like pixel art platformers. Like Got it. it's that yep. it's that kind of movement of like making something specifically old fashioned looking. Yep. Yep. But with some modern conveniences and yep. you know, it's it, that sort of thing. Some of them are meant to be very of their era. Some of them are, are basically just that's the style of game we're doing, but it's very much a game of the now. Mm-hmm. Um it, you know, but it's a very popular indie genre right now. Um and not just the way it looks, but the way it plays, right? Like there's you know, there isn't cover mechanics. 
Um, there, there aren't any RPG elements. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, you, you generally have a, an arsenal of nine-ish weapons, something like that. It, there's a lot of sort of like conventions of that style of shooter that was then sort of like moved away from as new ideas came. And, yeah. You know, and, and so this is sort of a, it's a return to that in, in more, in, in style, in map design, lots of exploration and discovery is a big part of it. Right. Uh, very nonlinear maps. So um, secrets um, and and yeah, mechanics are very yeah. much ev- evocative of that era. That sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that Boomer was like a reference to explosions, but it sounds like Boomer is that just kind of has better, a double though. meaning. Yeah. 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 Uh, it sounds it sort of like it's that. just uh-huh. mostly about it being old. But here's public service announcement: kids, just because it's old doesn't mean it's Boomer. Right. It's it's Gen <laughs> X. These are Gen X. Shooters, exactly. What they are Gen X people yeah. are also old. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm technically a millennial, and I'm also very old. Yeah, so. you're like the eldest of the millennials. I, I consider yeah. the eldest of the millennials. I consider myself I, an elder I, millennial, and you are slightly older. We go than to me. Mark when we need advice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was Gen X for the longest time, and then they invented the word millennial, and suddenly I was that. Yeah. Well, there's and this so thing called a it's, cusper. It's a too. weird thing. It's what? like, yeah, I don't know. You can probably keep inventing any things. Of the generation things. It's all I've no, because it's probably all crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's not all crap. There are people yeah. who okay, like to say right. it. Anyway, it's a lot to get through. This is different meta <laughs> yes, for yes, a different already. podcast. Um, Mark, another shoot. fun thing that was announced as long as that is that uh, Gumshoe Gooper, which is the character from uh, Hypnospace, kind of old cartoon character, is mm. getting a plush, Ooh. and that is uh, on Makeship right now. Um, it's met its funding goal, so it's going to be produced. So if you want one, we'll put that in the show notes. It's vi- oh, it's so cute, you guys. Oh, um, I love that. That is a very, very charming gumshoe gooper plush. All right, that's all of my promotion of stuff. Now the big meta. I have COVID, you guys. Oh. Yeah. You might immediately hear my voice, and yeah. so I'm going to tell a little bit of the story. I've been off the show for the last two weeks, mm-hmm. basically because um, the two of you have been really kind enough to sort of let me sit it out. Um, <laughs> you know, we have the technology to do remote. That's what I am now. I'm. I'm I'm still at home. I'm stuck at home. Yeah. Two of you are at the clubhouse. I'm, I'm remoting in. Um, but you guys let me off the hook the last two episodes so I can uh, chill and play Zelda mostly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you uh, um, you may have mentioned it in one of the weeks off, but um, uh, uh, Dale went on a work trip to Sweden and just brought it home with her. Um, probably got it at the airport. Yeah. Um, it, you know, uh, Restrictions are down everywhere, and so really you're, things are just up to chance now. Mm-hmm. But um, when she said that she tested positive, um, I I then just immediately stayed home. So yeah. um, I feel very confident I haven't given it to anybody because Good. I was I immediately quarantined. But the problem is I've been home for like two and a half weeks, you guys. Yeah. Like this thing will not go away. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can really... see where you've scratched at the walls in the background. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, the uh, first day of symptoms for me was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, oh. I had a really high fever and it just, I could feel it getting worse throughout the day. And so, um, and that was the first day I tested positive after already stuck at home for almost a week. Um, and then the day after I got a prescription to Paxlovid. So this is an antiviral treatment um, that is not, it's not required. Most, most people recover fine from COVID within a week. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, you know, it's, it's both more contagious and more mild these days. But um, because I have type 1 diabetes, I am, I'm a higher risk for, for, severe illness uh, for COVID. That's always been true. It's one of the reasons why I've been uh, very cautious. I mean, it hasn't just been a moral stance. It's been, frankly, a a protective stance that I've been much more careful than most people about this sort of thing. And um, so I got this prescription um, and it's a five-day treatment. Um, and it, it was really working or I felt okay. it was working. The, 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 those five days were better as, as they went along. 
And then that that treatment ended, and then I got sick immediately afterwards. Oh, wow. Um, some people may have heard what's called Paxlovid Rebound, which is a thing where um, you you uh, take this medication, you get you feel better, and then you test negative, and you're fine for a week, and then suddenly your symptoms return, and you test positive. And the reason for that is that as an antiviral, it, it limits the, the viral load that you have. And so um, your body ends up not... It's it lim it brings it down so low that it becomes undetectable, mm. but your body hasn't fought it off. Yeah. So then oh. over the next week, it slowly creeps up back up. It it continues to propagate in your system until you have symptoms again. This is ultimately still a fine thing if it happens to you because you end up. I mean, you you have to go back into quarantine for another week or or maybe you know some maybe maybe less maybe more depends. Um, but um, it's a, it's an interesting consequence for me. I don't know if that's what's going on because I I started feeling sick again immediately after. Um, I stopped taking this and I was doing some research that um, uh, basically the, the it's it's the Paxlovid is is um, is prescribed for as a COVID treatment under an emergency youth author authorization. Okay. So um, kind of like how the vaccines were initially. Yep. Um, they've since gone through FDA approval um, and are no longer under the emergency authorization. But Paxlovid still is. And okay. so it's essentially it's not being overprescribed. So when you get the five day treatment, it's a, it's pretty good. It works for most people, but mm -hmm. the theory anyway, is that for some people who have that rebound, or in my case, uh, it didn't seem to fully uh, 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 knock it down for me. Yeah. It might just be because I didn't take it for more than five days and it's not a huge dose. Um, ah, okay. But you know, that's what you have when you, when you have a, a you know, this, the, uh, the emergency use authorization, they're a little more cautious with these sorts of things. Sure. But I got to say, I am now very thankful that I, I did get that prescription because now I'm, I'm fighting a much a weaker uh, uh, illness than I maybe could have had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I would have been hospitalized. It's hard. I mean, these are all just unknowables. Sure. But um, I'm very thankful for the existence of this treatment. And specifically, I, again, more research that I was doing, um, uh, it, uh, some of this uh, HIV treatments. Um, the, oh, it's a two-drug combo, right. and one of them is used in HIV treatments. The sort of whole field of antiviral um, um, uh, uh, regimens has been hugely advanced by mm -hmm. research into HIV and AIDS treatments. Yeah. And so all of us who have had COVID and either had an easier time of it or have stayed out of the hospital due to Paxlovid appearing very quickly, mm -hmm. yeah. like, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, it wasn't there the first year, but still, I mean, for this effective, this yeah. quickly, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it's basically a miracle of science and, mm -hmm. and we really owe that field of antiviral research that was really spurned on uh, through uh, HIV treatments. And mm. so I'm very thankful for that existing yeah. uh, because who knows what I, you know, how, what kind of go of it I would have had yeah. without that. So um, now if you get COVID and you're feeling kind of just, you may not need it, um, but it, but if you're, um, uh, you know, have a higher risk, um, there's, there's the, um, uh, outcomes have been good. Um, uh, uh, there've been studies about long COVID that people who uh, took Paxlovid, um, have had a, a, a lower instances of long COVID. Oh, okay. Um, not definitive, but it's, it's good data. Um, that's points in that direction. So if you are on, if you ha have a higher risk, um, I do recommend, um, like I said, I don't know all the data, what it did for me or how much it's done for me yeah. <laughs> or how much it could have. But um, I think the I've had a lot of time to sit and, and read about this stuff. Sure. Um, and so, again, just a miracle of modern science. So very pleased to have that. So that's me still stuck at home, still testing positive after like two plus weeks. Oh yeah, um, not fun. Mm -hmm. So I haven't been able to come to the office. I haven't left the house. I've been, you know, I haven't 
even open my door. Like that's, I, I've been really, really strict about it because sure. all this time I've been trying to avoid COVID. I was, you know, thinking about like, am I being, you know, at a certain point you start accepting risk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and when the people around you are accepting risk, you, by nature of living in a society, you can't avoid all of that, yeah, right? right? And so I figured, well, if, if I'm going to be stuck at home, I'm, you know, I'm not going to so much as go to the drive-thru or whatever. I'm not going to, like, I'm just going to hole up because... Yeah. I'm, you know, I've got to sort of live my values and that means I've been stuck here. Um, and it's been real rough, but I watched a bunch of TV and I played a bunch of video games. Nice, nice, nice. About it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I watched Chernobyl again. Just oh, a quick reminder. At, at, yeah. Cause I love that. I saw, I saw that show when it came out. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a five part mini series on HBO. Very, very good. Uh, just to re-recommend for that. I just find um, it, but, I just find it impressive that you watched it again. Cause I've heard that watching it is a miserable, but good time. So. No, it's that's the show. thing. Like there, there are certain things, like certain movies and certain things that are that are like you have to watch them because they're good for you. But mm-hmm. like, but then you never want to see them again. Yeah, uh, Chernobyl is not one of those. Oh, it's okay. like it's riveting television, and it's, um, it is rough. Like there, are, it's it's heavy. Yeah. But at the same time, it's I mean it's breezy. It's like it's okay. it's entertaining. Um, I I would say it does all the things that these things that that a good piece of 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 entertainment and a good piece of art is supposed to do, okay. which is which is to not feel like it's just <laughs> vegetables, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean it's it's it is very heavy, but and it has like a lot to say that you do kind of need to like kind of it does take. It takes some cycles to process, but yeah. like it's really worth it. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I recommend people check that out um, if you haven't seen it, um, or if it, you saw when it came out. It's a it's a good rewatch, I think, mm. um, which is not something you might think, but right. it really, really is. Okay. Uh, the other thing I saw on HBO was um, the David Bowie uh, sort of m- a montage documentary, Moon Age Daydream, mm-hmm. um, which I did not like very much. Oh. I was really disappointed actually because I think the worry, as a David Bowie fan. The thing I I like least about David Bowie's place in pop culture is it's like Ziggy Stardust and that's it. Like yeah. that's people that's what people think about David Bowie. But David Bowie was like such a towering intellect in the field of like pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 I mean he was famously a chameleon and had many different eras and phases and you know yada yada that's a thing about him. But like when you hear like the way he talks about like how art works and how he approaches uh, songwriting. And it's, it's so incredible. And <laughs> Ziggy Stardust is like four years into his career. Like yeah. it is baby yeah. David Bowie. Like there's, there's very little to it. In fact, it's, it's a fantastic record and like a really phenomenal new idea in, in rock that, that was groundbreaking and deserves all the praise it gets, but it's such a tiny part of David Bowie yeah. and, and, and Moon Age Daydream as a, as a documentary does not limit itself to that era. Okay. But okay. I think structurally, tonally, it's very much of like, like check out the spiders from Mars and, and, mm. and that, and kind of that, that sort of that, um, that notion of, of that, that lens basically. And I was, I was really disappointed because it's such a well-made documentary oh, Okay. because it's all, it's essentially found footage in a way. It's all repurposed. There's no narrative arc. There's no, uh, uh, voice of God narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very little in terms of like, um, you know, on-screen graphics about like a timeline. It's really just David Bowie in his words and his performances all the way through his life. Mm. Um, it's just it's through that lens, and it's sure. oh, I, it could have been so much more. Yeah, um, worth so a that's watch. Kind of a bummer. 
I would say totally yes. Okay. Uh, it's it's still it's still enjoyable. I was just sitting there with like my eyebrow up the whole time. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> Got <Sure>. it. <laughs> um, but I will say, I mean, certainly, I mean, if you are only familiar with David Bowie through you know changes and Ziggy Stardust, like a couple of songs, maybe Let's Dance. Um, the 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 actual there's a lot of content in this that is maybe unfamiliar to you. Mm. Um, so I think it's if if all you know of David Bowie is Ziggy Stardust, it might actually open you up a little bit more. So I, maybe I'm being a little too critical. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's on HBO now. You can check that out. Like hyper advanced Ziggy. Like you're a hyper advanced David David Bowie. Yeah, fan. it's you know it's it's uh, it's not 101. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's more like 306 kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're at like grad school level David Bowie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I mean, like, I like, I love the David Bowie when he like stopped wearing costumes. You know what I mean? Like that was, that's the David Bowie I love mm-hmm. is, is when, is, 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 is when it's really just much more seriously about the work and, and, and the stagecraft is still there. Right. Yeah. Um, you can't get me started on this. I'm just going to go on and on. <laughs> okay. So the other thing is, uh, what airing right now is, uh, uh, Taskmaster, yeah. which I've talked uh, about on the go. show before. <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, um, I've got a transition here because the new series is airing now. Okay. And, um, one of the contestants is Mae Martin, a comedian, a Canadian comedian who's made their career in the UK. Uh-huh. And, um, what, Taskmaster as a show has done for me uh, and you can check some old episodes uh, check our show notes where I've talked and described the show itself more is it's introduced me to a lot of really interesting artists uh, comedians and actors and uh, Mae Martin did a show in 2021 2021 called Feel Good and it's two seasons mm. and it's uh, it's on Netflix um, and it is it is incredible it's very autobiographical about their their life and and uh, you know they play a character named Mae Martin um, and then all the characters around them are fictionalized. Um, it also has uh, Charlotte Ritchie in it, who was also in a season of Taskmaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I, I'm not going to say more about it other than, than watch it. It is incredible. And it's a very interesting take on um, the sort of the, the position an artist has and the sort of obligation um, an artist uh, has um, in the sort of modern era. Mm, um, that's cool. And, but at the same time, it's a very, it's basically, it's kind of a sitcom and it's just about, it's about, it's a love, it's a love story um, uh-huh. and it's very funny, um, but it's also it has moments of triumph in terms of its nuance. Okay. Um, so I huge recommend, I think the worst thing about it is its title. It's like generic and forgettable. Sure. Um, and only mildly thematically relevant. I think it could use a, I think you'll look at it on Netflix and it'll just look like one more, one of the list of a million things. Yeah. yeah. But feel, feel good. It's very, very good. Okay. Um, the the other thing um, uh, a Taskmaster alum uh, did recently is a show called Rain Dogs. Um, uh, Daisy Mae Cooper is the the lead of that show, um, and uh, that is a, um, um, a, a, a again, it's a little bit. It's like a slice of life drama. Um, it's um, a London set. Um, I, yeah, again, not gonna say very, very good. That one's on HBO. I'll put these in the show notes. I could just go on and on about all this, but it's not. It's, <laughs> I just love this stuff. And so this is what I've been doing is I've been sitting around watching a lot of TV shows. So yeah, like feel good. I just started, I watched like two days ago. I watched like both seasons in like one sitting. Oh wow. Um, like that's the, <laughs> this is, the, this is the world I'm in right now. It's like, yeah. I just can like devote 16 hours to something and just yeah. go. It's, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the other thing I've been doing is playing a ton of Zelda. And I'll talk about that um, in the, my topic because I basically decided like, I'm sick. I'm gonna just gonna do a topic about Zelda. No one's gonna stop me. 
It's true. Well, you're at your place. We're not there. We yeah, can't we can't. Stop you. We could. Um, That's true. We could disconnect, yeah. but like, nah. No, no. no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, the other thing I'm, I've, I've been doing a lot of work at home about. Um, I've been doing video work, um, mm, okay. which has been very frustrating because I don't have my video workstation here. Right. Uh, it's at the office. Yeah. But I've been. Rem- I don't know if any of you have noticed, but I've been remoting into that computer to do some. Oh no. Uh, high demand. High demand renders. <laughs> so if it, if it comes to life and you don't know why, that's that's, that's I'm good actually to know. using it. Office is <laughs> yeah, haunted I'm, by. <laughs> the remote I'm very thankful I set that up because it's an it's been yeah, I, yeah. you know I, I I stepped away from development work on Dream Settler and I'm and doing some video content work mm-hmm. and I was like this is great it's a good change of pace and then immediately I got <laughs> yeah, stuck yeah. Mm-hmm. just really bad timing yeah there's no good time anyway, to be I, sick for two weeks sure. yeah but you can tell like I'm I'm like I also have not talked to a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> dang no what do you have I don't know what you mean Mark. <laughs> Yeah. No. Yeah, that's it sucks being sick. And you've been sick for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ellen, you had COVID a couple months ago and you had an okay time of it, right? You you, yeah. you just had to be stuck at home for a while. I right? was I was out for a couple of days. I didn't yeah. get it nearly as bad as you've had it. And I don't know if that's because some people are in and out in like four days and, and like yeah. it's amazing. I'm just like, how is that even possible? <laughs> I don't know. I mean like it, it could be all sorts of things. I mean got I got sick on a unlucky but still lucky day or like yeah. i don't know I, I don't think my sleep schedule is particularly great but i know it's reg- more regular than yours so that could be part of it like I, it's yeah. very individual um so yeah. there's no way to know i mean like what from what you were saying dale seems to be doing okay she's not testing positive anymore yeah she was uh when uh she was at her when she tested positive she went to her mom's and we were just holding out hope that that i and we did a show um, where I remoted in yeah. when I wasn't sure if I had it yet, right? right. Yeah. Um, and where I was just stuck at home waiting to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was sick for like two or three days, and then just was kind of like meh for a couple more days. Mm-hmm. And you know, once I once I got it, she came home and was stuck here with me. But um, but she also was testing positive for a lot longer okay. than most people usually do. Interesting. Um, and that I mean, we have the same strain, so there might yeah. be some relation there. Yeah. Um, but like you were saying, Ellen, there, like I have higher risk of of severe. Uh, outcomes but i don't know if that's why right you I, don't know. I had this outcome right it's, there's so many variables we just don't know exactly. um, and that's one of the more frustrating things about it but right. dale is now testing negative um and uh, so she is fine now um in fact she's she's out on a work trip so um hopefully she doesn't uh, bring, she back doesn't something, bring something back yeah. from el paso yeah, that would be, yeah. <laughs> be bad oh man okay are we talking about yeah yeah zelda Tears of the kingdom yeah, okay, Sweet. transition done. <laughs> so, okay, so not only have I had a lot, a lot of time to play Zelda mm-hmm. uh, over, you know, this this break of mine, but I've had a lot of time to, like, read about Zelda and, like, oh. and, like digest a lot of the commentary. Like, um, we're okay. not the only podcast doing a Zelda episode, you know what I mean? No, um, <laughs> certainly yeah. not. And so... Um, I, I so I have a thesis basically. Okay. There's there's kind of a concept of people. People are extremely impressed with Tears of the Kingdom, as I mean, even though it's essentially, I mean, like Majora's Mask before it, uh-huh. it's like benefits from having a you know a framework to build upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people are people are ex, are really talking about it as like the best game of all time. Build mm-hmm. upon. I, <laughs> Sorry. <and> I <laughs> I, I want to make sure I'm not like saying like I'm not being misconstrued because I think it's. The game is not the monumental achievement that I think it's being described yeah. as. Hmm. 
And I, I don't mean that I don't like it as much as sure. other people. Yeah. What I mean is that what is so astounding about it, and Breath of the Wild was like this as well, but this game, I think more so, mm-hmm. is it's the most, it's such an efficient piece of work. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. Like, I love there are that. Parts in it. Love that phrasing. <laughs> yeah. And I think this, this, I think, can, this is, I think, why it's relevant as a topic for us today. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just because I play a lot of Zelda and have thought about nothing. <laughs> um, I, there's a lot to learn for us game developers even at indie scale mm-hmm. about like where to put your efforts yeah because there are things in tears of the kingdom which are bad like yes. really bad or very low quality or low production value mm. and i don't mean like graphics i mean like in terms of like um like structure and even and like uh npc animation and um and like even a lot of it's like complicated systems. There are some elements which you they they could have put more work in to make more robust and more thing, but they picked their battles. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the victory of this game is when you look you could look at and that's why a lot of people who are sort of saying like this game isn't so great. What are you all talking about? It's because they sort of narrow in on you know a tree in the forest mm-hmm. and see like well what's impressive about that? Yeah. And they don't see the whole the holistic you know the whole package. They don't see um, the forest for the trees. Yeah, well, that's the metaphor, and <laughs> yes. so, um, so I, I have I, I I have notes, and and I'm gonna break it down. The first thing is I just got some tips and tricks. Okay. So if you're if you're getting started on Zelda, here's here's what. So okay, first thing, stamina always, never hearts. Yes. Like yes. there's a poly, there's a Polygon article out there which is which which says like you know which should you get stamina or hearts, and it makes a very um, robust case for hearts uh-huh. over stamina, and the the case it makes is that there it's easier to get killed and 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 easier to traverse in this game compared to Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. Therefore, stock up on hearts, don't worry about stamina until later. I think they're drawing the wrong conclusion from that fact. It's easier to get around. So, get some stamina and you are like a superhero immediately. Yes. Um and like I guess I, I do not enjoy the combat in this game, and okay. that's that's not that's just to taste. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not having a ton of fun. Like, I don't feel a lot accomplished when when I have to uh, d- uh get like a boss battle. I'm like, oh, good, finally some interesting puzzle mechanics because <laughs> all of the boss battles are puzzles. Yeah, and I'm en- I enjoy that way more than just like oh a bunch of bokoblins. Yeah, mm-hmm. you sure. know, get get like, out. <laughs> yeah, or even like um some of the the uh, overworld monsters um like the Hynex or the Boltov. I don't know if I'm remembering these names right, but mm. some of the 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 bigger sort of mini bosses. Yeah, I'm not as interested in those because like I don't care about the fighting mechanics. Sure, yeah. Like, I want I want some puzzle in, in my in my boss battles, um, but you can you can still get by with three hearts. It's fine. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. actually not that hard of a game in that way. Um, and when you die, it's very forgiving. So, right. like, mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead and get killed. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, you, you reset. I mean, even within, even in the middle of, like, a temple, if an enemy kills you, um, and I'm not saying I have a lot of experience with this, but <laughs> if an enemy kills you, uh, you don't lose your progress. You just pick up rate, like, a minute before you face that enemy. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, particularly because... Uh, there are a couple of there's a couple of cheap deaths in this game, and that mm-hmm. might be because I don't have a lot of hearts. But like, <laughs> there are a couple places where like because of the way the cameras are set up. And again, this is about how the game really just isn't a masterpiece in all these categories. It's just that it's good enough in all of them that it becomes a unique triumph because yeah. so few games are like this. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's my first tip: uh, stamina always, never hearts. You Agreed. don't need hearts. Get stamina. Uh, it's you'll, you'll have way more fun. 
Um, other other thing, and this I don't know if Stephen, you're with me on this because I felt the same way about Breath of the Wild. Okay, never cook. Oh C- no, I don't agree a, with that. <laughs> it's a waste of time. There are plenty of apples everywhere. Yeah, you do not need to make a single. I can't believe dish you still think they'll cook. <laughs> what if it's fun to cook, Mark? It, well, here's the thing: it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. We've had we. Had, I don't think we've had this conversation on the show before, but we've had this discussion about how you try. Yeah, you I didn't enjoy the cooking mechanics. Is it, is well, it well. different in Breath of the Wild? No, it's exactly the same. Okay. It's just frustrating. Yeah. I had fun in Breath of the Wild cooking. It's a crafting system where you get no rewards essentially. Like you, you have to you have to hunt out these recipes. Yeah, and then when you, then you find them and you make them, and then you get something you don't need every time. Like I agree with that actually, because you'll you'll <laughs> oftentimes cook something and it'll be like, oh, you made a fancy crepe, and it just gives you four hearts, like cooking like two meat or whatever would give you. And yeah, that, just I pick agree, up, that's... just pick up eight apples, you're fine. Like it's, <laughs> you, you're gonna come across them. It's yeah. okay. Yeah, but okay. Like, imagine eating eight apples and it's boring as heck. I can imagine eating a fancy crepe and it tastes really good. Actually, In my imagination. Super because one of the one of the things this game does really really well mm. is the moment to moment interactive yeah. uh, elements. Yeah. So like when you eat. When you eat something, you can just mash a button, yeah, and then Link will just go rom 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 rom, and which it's like funny. very cute, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is it's way more fun to eat eight apples than it is to eat one, you know, whatever <laughs> recipe thing. That's a good. Point. So actually, it's, the actual experience of it, like I'm not kidding, the actual yeah. experience mm-hmm. of it is just more enjoyable. Yeah, okay. And so you're, you're having fun wrong, Mark. <laughs> I'm so, I have to just disagree with you. Your fun no, is I, bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna approach Zelda a little bit differently because you're right. I think mashing a button is more entertaining than hitting it yeah. once. Having cooked a fancy meal and then eating it once, so okay. Well, we'll but also, you when you when you cook right. something, it has it has value in your inventory. So right. one of the things that people don't like about the, these games is the um, the weapon durability. Yeah. Because you pick up a good weapon and then you're scared to use it, right? Yeah. And that's an intentional design choice. So I like it. I think yes. it's good. It is. But it's it's true. It is can can be frustrating and can be kind of like also you true. can kind of hoard some of your best stuff. Mm-hmm. When you when you cook something, it's the same deal. Yeah. Except. And so, like, you end up like, oh, I've, I've been holding on to this for so long when I could have just eaten two, like, hearty truffles and it would have been fine. Oh, but I don't care truffles. because the, they're everywhere. Oh. Like, it just it, it completely throws off, like, your sense of value yeah. in a way that does not have the mechanical utility that weapon durability has. Yeah, okay. Um, and, like, I, I, have, I do have a couple of uh, things in my inventory, mostly as gifts from other characters, like NPCs. Like, sure. here's a dish I made or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, like, something, some missions require you to make, cook something as part of the, you know, the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just have an inventory full of them. And I'm, like, I'm scared to use them because even I, for some reason, am assigning value to these things because <laughs> yeah. they're the only one I have. Yeah. But, like, but I'm fine downing 12 apples, like, because there's always more <laughs> apples. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and like it's yeah, never cook. Just not even once. Okay. Like, All right. Don't agree with that. It's your listicle, Mark. If you want the effects of cooking, you uh, want like heat resistance or you want like speed up or any of those things, mm-hmm. just find costumes. They're not hard to find. Ah, Anytime yeah. you every time you need these effects, there is always a mission relevant area for you to buy costumes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I have my and sexy if you don't have costume. enough money, just sell all those apples. Like <laughs> I can't. Right. There, I have nothing to refute that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, fair point. Okay. Okay. Mark. <laughs> Other thing is when you start the game, um, after you get through the tutorial area, yeah, you, you there's a couple of places you can go. Mm. It, the game kind of hints that you should go to the Rito Village first. Uh, I think that's a good hint. Okay. Um, the uh, I I'm not sure like. You can go anywhere and you'll be fine, I guess. Yeah. But I've heard this from other folks as well. 
the go to do do the Rito Temple first, and you're in good shape. Um, after that, I don't think it matters as much. Um, I did not do that. Um, yeah, but I don't feel like I lost anything from not doing it. To be honest, so yeah, I did. I did feel like that in Breath of the Wild, though. Mm. I definitely felt yeah. like I should have did Rito stuff in Breath of the Wild because I use that ability you get all the time. Burp. This one I don't use. Yeah. I guess I use it a lot too, but it doesn't feel as useful. I don't know. Well, it's one of the things about like if you have enough stamina early on, yes. uh, having that ability you get there basically just unlocks the whole world for you. Yeah. Burb. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so a couple little uh, observations I had that mm. were that were sort of fun is um, the I mean this is a I mean one of the things I've ta- I've said this on the show like fantasy is stupid <laughs> and one of the things that I like about Zelda is that it's it it doesn't really it doesn't have a lot of fantasy tropes weirdly yeah it's mm. kind of just its own thing that's set in a fantasy world mm. and, and i sort of appreciate that about it that it doesn't take any of those tropes as like either anything to lean into or um or um subvert yeah. it just doesn't worry about it and that, that, i think that's pretty interesting and but one of those things is that like there's all these like zoni devices you pick up yeah and they are just entirely mechanically oriented yeah and like like they just have fire hydrants like they just have working (laughs) magic fire hydrants and then they have a thing literally called big wheel yeah like (laughs) and it's it's made of rubber and it has shocks Uh like it does not care that this is not a modern but this is something that that's carried over from breath of the wild breath of the wild the 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 um all the technology in the game is very technical mm-hmm. it's it's science fiction in a way yeah without feeling like a sci-fi fantasy right like a like you know dragons and machines like it doesn't yeah. feel like that yeah and this is very much extension of that where it's just everything feels like all of the mechanics and all the zoni stuff just feels science fictiony in a way that the, that doesn't uh um uh, betray the setting of the game mm-hmm. because everything is so oriented mechanically to begin with. Yeah. Um. And and like there are rockets that are just called rockets and they look like rockets. Like <laughs> it's just and they make yeah. no they do not try to explain it and mm-hmm. I, I like that about it. Mm-hmm. And another another thing about that is um the main ability you use the ultra hand ability. Ultra hand is such a stupid name for a thing, but um do you do you know why it's called that? No, I don't. Big. Because big. Because so, it's big? Ultra, it's a piece of Nintendo history. Oh. So, but, but before, you know, everyone knows Nintendo made playing cards, and that's mm. how they started mm-hmm. in the late 1800s. And, but they were a toy manufacturer. They right. made toys in, in the mid-century. And w- one of their hit toys, in fact, maybe their only real hit toy in the 70s, was a toy called Ultra Hand. Amazing. Oh. And, and you can look this up, Nintendo Ultra Hand. What it is, is it's, um, it's one of those like extendo grabber things. It has like a lattice kind of like a, attachment oh. and it has a, has a hand at the end. Yeah, okay. And um th- there was a there was a a Wii uh, a Wii WiiWare game mm-hmm. that was like in, in honor of some anniversary called like Cooking with Ultra Hand where yeah. you where you use your Wii remote to point and like extend your hand to like like a backyard barbecue. Oh. And so that's what that is essentially why they called it Ultra Hand. Oh. It's like a little reference. It has it is it is not contextualized in any way yeah. in the Zelda universe. Mm. And who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, like cool. I haven't, like, you'd think it's, because this fact is not super well known, it's not an unknown piece of trivia. I think a lot of people have caught on to it. Yeah. But I haven't heard anybody complain, like, that's a stupid name for an ability. But it is kind of stupid. It is. <laughs> um, but that that's how confident the game is. And I think yeah. that's one of the things, again, one of the lessons we can learn is just that, that extreme confidence. It's like, this is called Ultra Hand. 
don't ask any questions. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because it's our game. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it, it just is called Ultra Hand. Mm-hmm. That's a rocket. Like, we have big wheels. Like, yeah. deal with it. Yeah. Like, it, it, and it all feels appropriate because the game decides that it is. Mm-hmm. Not because it made any kind of, like, extra effort to do that. In fact, it made extremely little effort to, to, to put, to coalesce all these things into a, you know, a, 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 a universe that makes any sense at all. Mm. But that's not the important part, right? right? Right, And that's not where they they didn't waste effort on that in order to justify it to players, because they decided they said, well, if we don't, then we won't have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's something that like narratively, mechanically, like in terms of system design, all of that it leads to a game that is way more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that like brings me back to my thesis about just like how like confident the game is and how like well put together all the pieces are insofar that they're all just competently made and 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 it it seems like faint praise but like that's what's astounding about this game and about breath of the wild as well and i think it's also why it is it really just is confusing to some people who don't understand what people like so much about it because you kind of need to play it to know it right yeah um yeah we've been trying to tell my brother this for forever his behind (laughs) is still not played breath of the wild and he refuses to play Tears of the Kingdom, even though it's yeah. definitely a game he would enjoy. He's I, yep. and I think part I, I I I'm all but positive. Part of the reason why he doesn't want to play it is because everybody else is playing it, and he wants to be a hipster and not play it. Um, but I also think part of the reason why he hasn't been playing it is because it's been hyped up a lot. Hmm. And you know, yeah. like you know, if something is like really hyped up to you yeah. from everyone, then you're like, oh my right. gosh, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to enjoy this. What that's kind of how yeah. I feel about Game of Thrones. What if it doesn't live up to all the hype? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, right. Well, yeah. it's like it's a it's mainstream praise, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like is Citizen Kane really as good as people say? Right, right. And yeah, yeah, it kind of is. Mm. Um, but it's sort of hard. It's like it's like it's hard to be a fan of the Beatles in any interesting way. Yeah, right. Yeah, because <laughs> you're just the same as everybody else. It's right. okay we're all just... fans of the Beatles because exactly. the Beatles are great. Yeah, and it's okay it's, to be it's... a fan of the Beatles, and it's okay, Charles, to play Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's not gonna. But another thing about it that I think that makes the game interesting in a way that is different from other games mm-hmm. is it 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 tells you so little and you are allowed not allowed you very frequently waste a lot of your time in the game yes and one of the things i don't like about open world games is a, there's like lots of like needless backtracking for the sake of like making something seem substantial yeah mm-hmm. so a, a, a quest giver will tell you to take this journey to the other end of the map mm-hmm. and you'll do it and you'll be like this could have just been done in town like what it was only over here so that I could do gameplay on the way and it would feel more. And you can see those seams, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Zelda does kind of some similar things, yeah. But because it doesn't tell you that much, it it hints to you things. I mean, it'll give you a marker to go exactly here, but sometimes you it'll just give you like a hint, of like eh, go off that way maybe, and you yeah. do, and you've totally wasted your time because you forgot to grab the thing that would have been beneficial. Yeah. But you never feel like your time is wasted because. It, so much of the game is about is the toy mm-hmm. uh, playing with it, yeah. In a way that a lot of other games, especially open world games, yeah. are not. Uh, open world games very frequently forget that the moment to moment of it is is supposed to be yeah. sort of enjoyable on its own. Yeah. Right? The gliding down a hill in the wrong direction was fun, and you'll go back up the hill and then go the right way now. Mm-hmm. Like Zelda gets that in a way a lot of other games do not get. Yeah. And and one of the things I did today was I went through the lightning temple. And I solved all the puzzles yeah. before doing the opening cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not realize that's what I was doing. Uh-huh. Because I kept going like, okay, so I just opened this door, a, a, a sound played, and there's a, like a, a, a thing here. What am I supposed to do? Where's that 
that Rito chief who has been who followed me up to this. Why isn't yeah. she here? Yeah. Uh, in all the other temples, I activate their powers. What's going on with this? Is the game broken? Mm-hmm. And then I just like, well, whatever. And I just kept solving all the puzzles in there. <laughs> and then finally, I'm like, well, what do I do now? And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to the... I'll just go to the beginning and see if maybe there's a sign I'm supposed to read. Mm-hmm. I go to the beginning. I trigger a cutscene. <laughs> like, oh, you need to oh, do these hilarious. things now. I'm like, oh, oh, I, uh, all the doors are open. Let's just go click all the buttons, I guess. And like, oh, it funny. was a huge. I ended up wasting so much time. It ended up taking a lot longer than it should have. Yeah. And it and I don't care. Yeah. Like, I just don't care. Yeah. Like, yeah. In a in a way that like would infuriate me in other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not time wasted. It's play. It's you're still playing. Well, that's I've yeah. been I've been really thinking about that too because like I I, I I know the reputation of open world games in in AAA games in general, right? They've been been getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's just more and more and more content. Um, and yeah. I, and a lot and there's been pushback against that. People are like, oh, I don't want to spend ninety hours playing this game, but they feel perfectly comfortable spending ninety hours playing Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. Or mm-hmm. or um, um, Elden Ring, you know, games like that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying to, I've been trying to think about like why, what makes those games different from like Assassin's Creed or something. Um, yeah. And I think part of it is, yeah, like it doesn't take itself so seriously that it feels like everything is important. You have to do it. These are just like extra things. Like I, I, I think some people um, have said. That like Elden Ring or Breath of the Wild, they don't like they don't care if you do all of the stuff, and I don't think yeah. that's true. I think that Zelda definitely does care. I think I can't talk about Elden Ring because I haven't played it, but I think that Zelda definitely does care that you at least know that things exist in the game, right? Yeah. But because it, but it doesn't make it so important that it's like a quest. It doesn't make it well. Sometimes it's a quest, but it doesn't make it so important that like it's necessary. I guess. Well, for, for, yeah. For progress. It doesn't make it so important that it... Zelda doesn't lose sight that the entire world is part of the game. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, the yeah. game isn't yeah. just the quests, and this, then the world is, like, an obstacle you have to get through. Mm-hmm. The game is part of the toy. Yeah. Like, the, the world is part of the toy. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, sure, the, the quest and the story and all that, that's important because it's, like, the the spine, the bones of the game or mm-hmm. whatever. You want to be... It, it gives you a world to play with. Yes. Yeah. The whole world yeah. is something to play with. So I think that's I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. and and th- that that I think is the that's the core strength of the game. Mm-hmm. And what that means is it means so much of it can be bad. Yes, because it, none because it, it does not matter. Right. And so I have a list of things that are very bad about this game <laughs> that I think Go that ahead. I think kind of don't kind of don't matter. Okay. But but still would be something that I wish were were better. So. Sure. I mean, first, okay, this is something that is sort of unforgivable. The game has, like, no accessibility features. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And that's just, I mean, I think that is just something that I think because the game is being so highly praised, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be forgotten. Nintendo historically has been kind of bad at this. But in this game in particular, like, not only are there no accessibility features, I think a lot of the things about, like, I was, like, there's a, the one of the um, construct, flux constructs yeah. has, like, those little cubes that you're supposed to identify to grab out instead of the, the other cubes. Yeah. And there, I mean, if you have even the mildest colorblindness. You're, you're never going to be able to figure that out. Yeah. And there's, and there's no alternative for you. And, mm-hmm. and there's, like, there's no workaround. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that frustrated me narratively was and this is brought over from Breath of the Wild is uh, the Gerudo characters um, mm-hmm. are all women mm-hmm. and you you speak to a lot of NPCs fully half of them maybe more their plot their little like one line 
you know, flavor text is I'm a big, strong woman who needs a man. Yeah. And, and it is yeah. it, a couple of times you're like, okay, that's there's, there are ways to do that joke that are not regressive, mm. but if you do the joke 600 times, it's a little regressive. Sure. And I think that's a frustrating part about what is essentially depicted as a matriarchal society it can't get away from viewing that through a, a male lens, mm-hmm. um, which is something I noticed in Breath of the Wild, and I think is they didn't they did not learn their lesson, and it very much frustrated me yeah. because it also makes me think a lot about the localization for Nintendo games hmm. because one of the things that's sort of historically true about Nintendo games is that Nintendo's family friendly image uh, for those of us in the West is a, a lot of it is a consequence of Nintendo of America, mm-hmm. um, hmm. and so. Um, that I I do sort of wonder if some of that is also true for blunting some of the sort of you know uh, historically Japanese like uh, backwards view on social issues, yeah, um, particularly gender um, yeah. and racial issues. Yeah. That 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 is uh, that you see in Japanese games, and I do kind of wonder if Nintendo Treehouse, the localization team, Nintendo of America. I'm very curious as to like their approach and 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 what how they adapted some of that stuff and what we're not seeing yeah because like there's a there's a character in the first game the uh, bolson construction the sort of gay coded character who's just a fucking delight and like a really fun character and but you do kind of like well you know what though actually i could see where this idea came from and it's bad Mm. but you, you i think and it's it's been it had been reported we could look this up for the show notes but that character is a bit worse in the japanese version and and so i do sort of wonder a little bit about that and i it's very frustrating because i don't think anybody's talking about it um and 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 i think it uh every time we don't talk about it it just happen it'll it'll just happen again um in these and so i it's very frustrating. Hmm. Um, I think uh, Zelda's role in the game, I think, is much more interesting than it was in the first game. Um, I wish you could play as Zelda, but, you know, that's another thing. Yeah. But I she, that she's much more of an active presence in the narrative, like an overarching, like, she's, like, always doing something in the background mm-hmm. in, in a way that feels really interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in the first game, a lot of her flashbacks, it's, it's her story, and it's very, she has agency, and it's interesting. But this one, I think, is a lot better. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I don't want to totally, you know, say that the game is just totally backwards in, 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 well, in yeah. you know, gender betrayals. Sure. But it is in some pla- some places. It's a little bit, um, it just doesn't know what it doesn't know, I think, is, is, is I think, what's happening in some mm-hmm. places. Um, and could use a lot more uh, criticism, uh, like literary criticism, to address these sorts of things. Because I just don't think, yeah, they're not, they're not hearing it. And so it's not changing. Um, so that's very frustrating. The other thing, mechanically is the big thing about this is Ultra Hand making wild devices, yeah. playing off what people did in Breath of the Wild. And I got to tell you, I am not motivated to be very creative with that stuff. Me too. Um, I felt I was the same. With, I was texting with my cousin yeah. who sent me a video of a paddle boat that he made, um, <laughs> which is just so cute. And yeah. he was like, I'm wasting all of my time just building silly things and I'm making no progress. Mm-hmm. And, I t- and I said like, well, you know, I guess for me, I'm just, there's always stuff laying around to do it exactly how I'm supposed to do it. I just put those things together and do it. Yeah. Like every sometimes I'll go in my inventory to grab a Zonai device and I realize, oh, they're just laying around here already. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is like must be from playtest feedback because it'd be very frustrating to not have the things you need. Yeah. Um, but it also really reduces the urgency to be creative. And I think that's something that the game ultimately fails its own standards for. Interesting. Um and I 
I I don't think it's a problem necessarily. Like I think the game can handle it in yeah. terms of like it's it survives that piece of criticism. But I think the I mean the headline feature of the game is essentially pointless. It it it, it, it I mm. think mm. Um, it's okay. kind of like I'll build something. I'll try to build something creative, and I realize that I just could have gotten this done a lot faster if I just stuck one thing to it instead of twelve things to it. Yeah, um, I... and that's. Uh, sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but I, I think, cause I, I felt the same way in terms yeah. of like building stuff. I, uh, in other games I've played that have like building as a whole thing about, I get, about it, I guess I felt more in, uh, enthusiastic to be creative with the, and I don't feel that way with Zelda, with Zelda, at least how, I, how I've been approaching it. Um, yep. but, and I think, honestly, I think that I agree with you basically that like the game is okay for that. And I kind of also think that like ultra hand allows you to do that stuff but it doesn't expect or even want you to do that stuff i think it just yeah. allows you to do it and so it doesn't I give you a lot of motivation yeah and so i think it part. i think to me personally i think that's fine because i think i kind of approach it the way i w did with other gadgets in in breath of the wild um or whatever they i think they were called gadgets whatever they're called y'all know what i'm talking about um <laughs> it's in, in that like it's just a tool to solve some puzzles um and it's yeah. a tool to like solve some battles i guess but it doesn't like it doesn't i don't I, I guess i don't think of it as it changing the game i think frankly i think that the the more the way more interesting ability is the ability to attach stuff to your weapons and shields and stuff i think that's way cooler yeah. but I mean, yeah that feels thing. more that feels more urgent yeah and it feels i feel like i need to do a lot more thinking about it yeah exactly even though the even though the solutions i come up with are much less interesting on their own yeah they're also handed to me a lot less yes yeah. Um, and so I feel much more satisfied engaging with that mm -hmm. mechanic, mm -hmm. um, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, really, the, the headline here, though, is that, like, this game has major problems, in my opinion. Sure. And none of it matters. Mm. And I think that's that's maybe the core lesson. Yeah. Is, like, is really just about, I mean, it's kind of hard to make actionable. But when you think about your game, you know, you want to think about, like, how you're balancing the work you're doing. Yeah. And, like in terms of what's interesting moment to moment and what is the sort of goal you're trying to do for the certain systems that you have and like when to decide this is good enough, this is not perfect or maybe even this is kind of bad, mm -hmm. but it, it composes an element of the larger piece. Yeah. And if I put any more into this, I'm not going to be able to either have enough other parts or they're not going to be up to the standard and it, and then this 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 feature, which will be better, will be not as good to use, mm -hmm. and it won't be because it won't be part of a a, a larger piece. Yeah. Um, and that yeah, it's it, every time I counter something, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, it's it's, but it, it's not a feeling I have in a lot of other games. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things. There's more deal breakers I come across. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but this one doesn't have as many, in, in a in a weird weird kind, almost frustrating way. It's like it's like <laughs> immune to criticism, but it's like it's because of the way it's made. Yeah. The, just that extreme efficiency. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. One day we should have a topic on efficiency. Because um, mm -hmm. I think that'd be well, that's a big one. Yeah, I think come at it from lots of different angles. Yes, I guess specifically design efficiency. Okay, but, yeah, but, that does sound interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that would be a cool topic. So, Mark, have you seen any other ways to pre-order Glom available? I know you were looking at it. 
before. Steven, that's the wrong question. <laughs> what you really should oh. be asking is, where's the one place I should go to find all the places I can pre-order? That's actually ah. a very good question. The question and I the place to go ask. is nicegames.club slash glom. Yeah. You can see all the links. Mm -hmm. I think there's three so far. There we but, go. you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> click one of them. Yeah. I don't care. And pre-order yourself a copy mm -hmm. of Glom, the cool card game that we made yeah. right here on the show. Yeah. And are getting and is getting published by Indie Boards and Cards uh, this fall. Yes. Um, if you're heading out to the uh, board game conventions this summer, it's going to be there it at will. Gen Con Doo. and Origins. Check it out. Um, but you know what? You don't even need to check it out. You can just pre-order it now. Yes. Because you can. Yes. You can listen to us playing it, and that would be a way for you to check it out. Mm -hmm. You can listen That's to true. us making it, and that would be a way for you to check it out. But also, you know, just check it out. Pre-order the game. It's cool. It helps us out. Nice. It's a yep, fun you can game. see yeah. you can see a great introduction video that we produced mm -hmm. about how Ooh. the game works and why it's fun. You can see those links for pre-orders and you can get a link to the episode where we invented the game. All, All of that <laughs> is where <laughs> nicegames.club/glom g l o m glom <laughs> You always got to end it with that. I had to get it in there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Ranch so time. So another thing about Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're done. It's my time no, to talk about Zelda. <laughs> He's going to talk about fall damage. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, very unpredictable in that game. It, mm, I don't, well, but, I disagree well, with whatever. You had Anyways, some things to say. I have, I have opinions. I have yeah. opinions. I'm cracking my knuckles to talk about my opinions. Okay. He's stretching. He's Fall getting stretched damage. out. I'm getting stretched out. You, you got you to gotta gotta get limber, limber, limber before, you, He's limbered before up. you start talking about fall damage, I guess. Right. You probably want to be loose when you fall. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> what is fall damage? It is when you take damage when you fall. It's pretty self-explanatory. But specifically, in video games, it's typically you fall a lot. But like when you fall from a particular height, if it's too high, the game will be like, that's too high. You're going to get punished for that, and you take some damage. Um, I think a lot of people feel that fall damage is universally bad, and I want to argue with y'all that it's not. It has a purpose. It serves a purpose. There's a reason for it. There's a reason why uh, Tears of the Kingdom still has fall damage, even though Breath of the Wild did, and people complained about it, I guess. Because this is why I'm bringing it up, because I, cause I uh, remember an article from six years ago about <laughs> this exact time ago. So people didn't like the fall damage in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Well, because Breath of the Wild is also like a playground, right? Yeah. We've been describing it as a toy yeah. like the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so like I think people getting punished for playing in a certain way, feeling like they're, it feels like they're like, they're getting punished in a way that they don't enjoy. And I think that, I think that's like, I wish that people viewed fall damage as an opportunity i think to like to, people are never gonna view it that way i know <laughs> it's your rant Steven. I'm, I'm challenging you to think of it in this way okay uh -huh. um it, it it creates a spatial navigation challenge not that big of a challenge frankly especially in, in breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom because you got the paraglider yeah. and that just subverts literally all fall damage because you just <laughs> press yeah. the button really quick before you fall they made it even easier in this game because I think, like, in the first game, you had to press it, like, a little bit beforehand. You could press it with very crappy timing, and you'll be fine. Anyways. <laughs> Unless you fall off into a bottomless pit. That's true. Then you'll take one hit of damage, and you'll be okay. Um, and not die, like you do sometimes. Anyways. Um, it's a, I, think, I think it helps you think about how you're navigating the space in a way that is not just a boring, like, 
just drop off of this cliff and you're where you need to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it and it also forces you to like it, it makes it makes, you know, the highs high, like actually high. Like if you're if you if you don't take if you especially in Tears of the Kingdom because I'm gonna keep bringing that up because Mark had a whole topic mm-hmm. about it and I've been playing it a <laughs> Top lot too. Top of mind, as it were. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you've been you know on the if you're in the sky areas or whatever, um, it does it wouldn't feel as high or as significant or as special if you could just fall and land on the ground and it didn't matter. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it actualizes the scale of the world. yes, yeah, exactly. And the right. game like like Tears of the Kingdom, like Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. in order to make that feel real. Yeah. It needs to but mechanically you're right. It's really easy to get out of those consequences. Yes. But that's kind of not what the point of it is. Exactly. Exactly. I think people just don't wanna have to think about it. They just wanna do the things and have fun and mess around and there not be any And that's not what decision. games are about. No. Yeah. <laughs> fun is crap. You ever been on a real <laughs> playground? You right. fall, you skin your knees. Yeah. Suck it up. Yeah. <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> I love that. Kids these days. Uh, <laughs> not spend enough time out on playgrounds. That's actually, I mean, that's an important metaphor. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're swinging, you're trying to go higher and higher. Mm-hmm. Part of what's fun about that is the thrill and the danger. Yeah. yeah. Right? Exactly. I mean, even though it's really not that dangerous, hey. but when you're a kid, you really feel it. Mm-hmm. It's the same in video games. It's like that, that fall damage is there to make those moments where you're not falling interesting. Feel right. interesting. Yes, yeah. exactly. Right. And so it, I just found that so frustrating. That somebody would mm-hmm. be like, oh, this whole this this whole mechanic that we've been using for years, for decades, is crap because I said so. Um, anyway. <laughs> because I slipped that one time. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I want to talk about... Because <laughs> I slipped that one time. I want to talk about a few examples. I, I brought up Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I like I really like Tears of the Kingdom, the way that they do fall damage. Partly because, like, it barely matters. Literally, you press the <laughs> paraglider button and you're safe. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that it kind of provides an interesting resource management challenge specifically mm. in tears of the kingdom that wasn't really in the case of breath of the wild um because like you'll be in the sky areas and you can use your paraglider to get um you know to fly basically to any location as long as you have enough stamina and so it yep. makes stamina more important and this is why i agree with mark about stamina yeah, i was gonna hearts. say i don't have a lot i don't have a lot of problem with that because i have all the stamina <laughs> exactly right <laughs> but it makes that feel more satisfying right. you can really feel your stamina being more powerful mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. it, it, it becomes a, a bit of a power fantasy. Actually, one of the complaints I have about um, Tears of the Kingdom is that I feel like the uh, paraglider is a little too hard to get. It's not hard at all, but you just have to like go to a, do a, like a main quest for a little bit longer. Than oh, yeah. I, the game I climbed you. more than one tower yes. before I picked it up. Yeah, exactly. I, right? Again, with the wasting time that I don't mind, right? <laughs> I minded it, so. Because <laughs> I just, <laughs> I was like, I kept like doing stuff, and I was like, dang, I really wish I had the paraglider. I remember having the paraglider. I, didn't, I, I actually didn't know if, I assumed that the game had a paraglider because I felt like that would be ridiculous if it didn't. But it didn't yeah. get it right away, so I was like, oh, no, does this game not have a paraglider? And it just took a little bit longer for me to get the paraglider than I would have liked. But as a mm-hmm. as a result of that, I had to like do some navigational challenge or thinking. I was like, well, if I fall down this thing, I have no real way of getting back up. Um, if I fall down this thing, I'm gonna take a bunch of damage, so I can't fall down this thing. And for like a brief moment, maybe like an hour, um, I was I felt a little weak. I think mm-hmm. that was kind. Of, I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, yeah. I still kind of think that they should have just gave me the paraglider pretty quick, but you know, even in the <laughs> yeah, you started in, out by saying this is the thing I don't like, and then you ended it was like it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it, it because uh, I had fall because the fall damage existed, it made that interesting. 
And I think yeah. that, like, it, during the tutorial area, you don't have the paraglider, even in both Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. And so that challenge mm-hmm. is still there and, and, and still important. Um, yeah. So it, so it like, trains you to think of things in a certain way, and then it completely gets rid of that challenge, I guess, by giving you the paraglider. But it's okay because right. you learn the important things you right. need to learn from thinking of it in that way. Right. So yeah. You learn that you have to account for the ground. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it, though. Um. I want to bring up Fortnite because that was another idea I had or another thought that I was thinking of. Um, it's a source of uh, I, I like the way that I, I like fall damage in Fortnite specifically mm-hmm. because like it's a another method um, to deal damage to enemies if you're creative because the game gives you a bunch of ridiculous weapons. <laughs> um, there's like a power blade thing where you can like knock a player back or whatever and it, it yeah pushes them into stuff. Um, but you can push them off of a cliff and then will take fall damage and that will hurt them and so like that makes things a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Isn't um, the isn't the presence of fall damage in Fortnite entirely a, ma- a function of the building mechanics? It to to make yes. it. But ne- but now those matter so little in that game. Yes. That uh, it, it, mm-hmm. Doesn't it kind of have a disconnect now? Um. No, I don't. I don't think it does. I think it's still important. Mm-hmm. I think it still forces you to think about the world and how you navigate it. Um. And I agree though that like a lot of the reason why they had it is because you could build giant. You know, build towers extremely quickly and they go up into the sky then if somebody destroys the tower then like what are you going to do um yeah but i think you can still use it in ways you can still creatively use it in ways that um as a weapon effectively you can use gravity and fall damage as a weapon against other people if you're clever mm-hmm. with the weapons that they give you um i mean I, I i agree that it's like less important in in um fortnite but now that they have the no build thing but like i think it's still i think it's still cool uh, mm-hmm. i did want to bring up Super Mario Odyssey specifically because that game does not have fall damage whereas the previous yeah. 3D um, Super Mario games did um, and I think that it loses I think that it causes like you to end up like if you fall from a quick place cause, I mean the, the 3D Mario games aren't really known for their like precision platforming that much like they have precision platforming but like it's not a main feature of it but if you fall mm-hmm. off of a big cliff like if you're in New Donk City or whatever and you fall off of a skyscraper, you got to put in a bunch of work to get back up to the place. And I found that to be annoying. That ha- it would ah, happen enough <laughs> that it would I be frustrating. I super disagree. Oh, okay. I I think that's really good because okay. what you lose is not health, you lose progress. Sure. And, yeah. and and ultimately like time that you've invested in getting up to where you're getting up to. Right. Yeah. It all it also makes you less careless with what you go. If yeah. you're just gonna die and respawn or something, mm-hmm. I mean, games handle it differently. Yeah. But I I think that not having fall damage in Odyssey accomplishes all the same things because of the way the levels are designed that you like about fall damage yeah. in other games. I think that's fair, and I think that's uh, I think I would agree with that. I just didn't like the way that I got punished. <laughs> <laughs> But I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I think it is a better way for that game to work. I just, yeah. I just would have, you know. I, I guess I kind of think back to like um, Widget Satchel. Um, we definitely should not have had fall damage in Widget Satchel. That would have been a mistake, right? Um, but I think that like, I think we sometimes would cause players to lose a bunch of time if they fell off of um, a yeah. platform or yeah. something. Oh yeah, in ways that we didn't anticipate when we decided to make it so that Sprocket couldn't die, right? Right, um, we had to do a lot of like um, uh, recovery uh, traversal areas, yeah. uh, to compensate for that. Yeah, and so it made it made it kind of it, it challenged our design in a way that I um, have been noticing, I guess, more frequently since. Mm. Yeah, um, 
So I guess that's that's why I brought it up in particular. But I I, I do agree that like yeah, you losing time I guess in Super Mario Odyssey isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think it just I just didn't like it. <laughs> that's just me. Maybe that's just a personal thing. Well, it's thing. it's illustrative of the of the of fall damages. It it's a thing to accomplish something, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's a tool. It doesn't. Its presence or absence doesn't always mean the same thing in every yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, I wanted to bring that up because I don't think the fall damage should be in everything either. I don't want to universally make that statement because that would be ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it, it. I think that there's a lot of cases when you wouldn't want to use fall damage. Um, I mean, like I said, in Witch's Satchel, I'm so glad we didn't do that because the game is about mischief. It's not about – it's not really about um, thinking about your movement in that way a lot of the time. Sometimes yeah. we challenge players to do that, but a lot of times we don't. Right. Um, mm-hmm. In the situations when we do challenge them, it's important, and we make sure to make it important. Right. But in the cases when it's not, then we you don't we don't, and a lot of times that is not the case. Yeah, I think you're just a critter whose goals have been frustrated a little bit longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of 2D platformers, in particular platformers in general, you want to think about how you're using fall damage. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes you don't want fall damage because it would actually it would it's a punishment that isn't necessary for the game. And I think that like sometimes the having navigation challenges are not important for the game. And I think that like, and I think that, like I said, uh, with respect to, to widget satchel, like, because uh, you couldn't take, you didn't take fall damage and Sprocket couldn't die. It would take for, it would sometimes take too long to get back to where you like fell from and things like that. Um, so taking damage or dying and being respawned back where you were, can be like a, a time saver method for you. Like imagine if if you didn't fall and die in Super Meat Boy, you would just like fall to the ground and then have to run all the way back to the beginning. Like that would be a terrible experience, right? Yeah, a yeah. lot of precision platformers have those quick respawns. Yeah. And that's that's a core to the experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. All I wanted to say basically, the fall damage <laughs> is okay sometimes and it's important to think of it as a good thing when it exists. Nicegames.club slash feedback. <laughs> yeah, please tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> well, head over to the Discord because I yeah. think this yeah. is one of those ones. I, Steven, I love when you do topics like this. Which yeah. Just like, come at me. Like, yeah, do it. Please. I want, let's, hear, let's hear your opinions, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Nicegames.club slash Discord to join our Discord. Mm-hmm. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's our show. For show notes and links on today's hot takes, go to our website, nicegames.club. And as Mark just said, you can come visit us on Discord, too. We'll talk about that in a moment. Visit us on Twitter and Mastodon at Nice Games Club, where Dale tweets and toots about game dev resources and a game studio from a 14-year-old. Cool. We like hearing from you, so tweet and toot back or email us, contact at nicegames.club. We are on Patreon. You can support the show and you can get stuff, including ad-free episodes. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. And if you want to keep things more casual or yell at Steven and Mark, just stop by nicegames.club slash discord and say the things you need to say. (laughs) Next week, we'll be doing an episode of Nice Thinking. But that's it for this week. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. 
Well, no, but I'm also, I just don't care about spoilers in general. Sure. Partly because my memory is so bad that I'll just forget by the time I play. I'll be like, oh, this is what Mark was talking about, but I won't remember ahead of time. Are we still recording? Oh, we totally are. Okay. (laughs) Let me stop recording. Yeah.